good. Well, I've titled my sermon, Jonah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Maybe westerns are on my mind. I uh, went to my parents over the weekend, and we watched an old western Friday night, so maybe that's why I came up with that title. Uh, question for you this morning, are there any runners in the house? Any, any, any crazy people? I mean, run, runners in the house who like to run. Okay, that's, I'm impressed because I'm not a runner. So uh, I know the Carters, are, they're big runners, and that's always in, inspirational to me. I don't have that discipline, you know, just to get up and to go run. Now, if something's chasing me, you know, and I'm in the woods and Bigfoot's after me, I could run then, you know, I could run. But I, I, do, I do have a story for you this morning about running. Would you like to hear it? Okay. Now, you know, I've been here for a few years, so some of y'all, you've heard some of my stories. I get that, but some of y'all are new, so you need to hear these stories, okay? So if you've heard it before, just know it's, it's, it's for the new kids, okay? Because they need to get to hear the stories, too. But my dad, he's the king of scaring, especially uh, when I was a kid. He was always scaring the daylights out of us and would hide around a corner and scare us, always scheming and had a plan. Well, one time... Uh, when he was probably in his early 20s, he had two cousins named Jimmy and Tommy, and I did not change their names to protect the innocent in this story. So if they're watching this on live stream, uh, hello, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story on you. So my dad, uh, they were teenagers, and my dad was in his early 20s, and they were out fishing one night at their mom and dad's pond, okay? And they're out there catfishing, so they had their lights set up, and their poles, and they're out there fishing, and so my dad... He sneaks up there to, to the pond bank where they're fishing. Okay, he crawls up there. All right, and my boys, Isaac and Eli here, they've heard this story. They could probably tell it better than me. But he crawls up there, and they're fishing. They don't know he's there. At least he doesn't think they do. And he has this call, and it's a coon squaller. How many of y'all are coon hunters in the house today? Don't be ashamed of it. Let me see your hand. If you've ever been coon hunting, okay, just raise your hand. All right, yeah, we got a few in the house, okay, nothing to be ashamed of, it's okay, so this coon squalor, it is the, it is the eeriest blood, most blood curdling sound that you've ever heard, okay, it's kind of like a terrified baby, and like a, a really angry, you know, uh, rabbit, all right, mixed all up in one, all right, I don't know if ang- rabbits can really be angry, but they can make weird noises when they're scared, okay, so this call, I mean, it is crazy. I wish I, I was going to try to do it for you today, but I, I don't have the call, and I just can't do justice to it, okay? So someday I will. I will bring it, you know, just keep you on the edge of your seat. We'll keep you coming back with that, okay? Just know one day you come back, and I'll, I'll blow that coon call. So the, the idea is, though, it sounds like a coon in distress. So if, there's a, if the dogs have treed this coon, what you want to do is you want to get the coon out of the tree so the dogs can chase him again. So you can listen to the dogs chase the coon. Now, that's quality entertainment, okay, where I was raised. I mean, that's awesome. You know, you, the dogs tree it. You, you scare the coon out of the tree. The coon takes over and the dogs chase it again, you know, and then you repeat it again. So you're just hearing the dogs run and bark. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? That's all, you know, I knew y'all would be intrigued by this story. So my dad's got this call. So he sneaks up there and he blows this call. I mean, it's scary. It's crazy. If you heard this saying in the dark, it would scare you to death. And so the boys don't move. They're just still as a statue. And dad's thinking, man, maybe they saw me, you know. So he's like, okay, I'm going to blow it again. So he blows again. This time, 
They don't say a word. They look at each other. They throw their poles down, and they take off running to their pickup out in the pasture because they're about a half mile from the house. They get in the pickup, but guess what? My dad's already been in the truck, and he got the keys. So they're like, where's the keys? I don't know. So they take off running to the house. So dad gets in the truck, starts it up, takes off chasing them around the pasture. So he's herding them all over the pasture, chasing them. They're running, screaming for their lives, you know, crying. So finally he shuts the truck off, and, you know, they get, they get away. And he runs to his house, and he turns on the TV and sits there like he's just hanging out been watching TV. And they come knock on the door, Johnny, 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 there's somebody out here. They, they try to kill us. He's like, hang on, let me get my light, let me get my gun. So he goes and looks. They never did find who did it. <laughs> and unless they were watching live stream right now, they don't know that it was my dad to this day. Okay? So y'all don't tell Jimmy and Tommy about that story. Hey, listen, when it comes to our lives, we can find ourselves running a lot. There's many different reasons we run. And, and it, it feels like to me in our culture today, we're always running. Y'all feel like that? Can y'all relate to that? Who can relate to that? That you feel like you're running, you're on the go, okay? We do that a lot. Well, today we're going to learn about running in our relationship to God. And from the book of Jonah, we're going to see four ways that we can run when it concerns our relationship with God. So go ahead and turn to Jonah, and we're going to look at four ways that he ran, okay? So we're going to be at Jonah chapter 1. That's page 816 in my Bible. If that helps you, if you have this Bible, that'll help you. If you don't, it won't, sorry. It's after the book of Obadiah. All right, Jonah chapter 1, we've got the verses on the screen as well. Let's go ahead and read these. Jonah 1, verses 1 through 4, then we're going to jump down to 17. And, and by the way, don't panic, but I'm taking you through the book of Jonah today. All right, and it's going to be okay. All right, we're going to do this, and it's going to be streamlined. All right, so we're going through the book of Jonah. We're going to see four ways that Jonah ran and that we run. All right, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now let's jump down to verse 17. <clears throat> now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. And Lord, today I ask that you speak into our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to trust you, to love you, and to live for you today. Help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first way that Jonah ran was from God. Jonah ran from God. And here's what I like about Jonah is I think we can all relate to him. <laughs> I think he's very real. And, you know, we've heard this story so many times if you're raised in church since a little bitty, you know, baby. You've been taught this story. And it's easy because we know the story and we know the outcome. It's easy just to be like, Jonah, what were you thinking, man? You know? But if you really back up and look at it, it's like, oh, no, that's me. I relate to Jonah. I, I can just feel his pain sometimes, you know? So we're going to talk about uh, Jonah and how he relates to us today. First of all, 
that he ran from God. Let me tell you, in Jonah's day, things were going great. Israel was at its second most prosperous time in all the kingdom, in all the history of the kingdom, second only to when King Solomon reigned. Jonah was a noted prophet. He was a recognized prophet. He was a loved prophet. He was the man. And God would give him the word, and he would tell the king, and the king would do it. And God was blessing the nation. He had restored their lands that the Syrians had accumulated, and, and their wealth was accumulated, and things were looking up for them. And Jonah was loving his life, and he was loving his calling. He was loving what he was doing. But then God interrupted his life. God interrupted his plans. And I'm going to tell you, when God interrupts our lives, it's not always an easy thing. And sometimes when God sends an interruption, our tendency is to want to run. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But this new assignment, it took Jonah out of his comfort zone. I want you to think about that today. He was going to have to leave his family, his friends, his home, his comfort, his possessions. He was going to have to leave everything and go into this foreign land. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? Okay, so Jonah was going to go preach a message. He was going to go share a word from God. Why was that so difficult? Why was he so afraid? Well, let me put it to you like this. Imagine today that God called you to go into the most dangerous country in the world today that's filled with terrorists. That's the equivalent of what Jonah was being called to do. Now that puts it in a different light, doesn't it? Because his life literally could be in jeopardy and an outsider did not go to Nineveh. Because it was a barbaric people and a, and a very terroristic people. And in fact, they caused a lot of harm to Israel. Many Israelites have lost their lives to the, this nation. In fact, I mean, we don't know this, but we could guess that Jonah had probably been affected by them in one way or another. Perhaps some of his own family had been tortured by them or imprisoned or even killed by them. We don't know that, but... Obviously, there's, there's a wound in Jonah's life when it concerns this nation. And he did not want to go to them when God told him to share this message. But listen, when we place too much importance on our own plans, and then when God wants to do something through us and it's an interruption, a lot of times we're going we're gonna to have an aversion to that. So today we need to back up and we need to get a new view, a new perspective of what God wants to do in our life. And we need to think about who God really is. You see, here's the deal. When God intervenes in our life, when he moves in our life, and when we obey, then significance occurs and lives are changed. And we have to realize that it's an honor to partner with God in his work. It's not an inconvenience. So if he gets you off track, if there's a detour, instead of getting all bent out of shape about it, we need to back up and say, okay, God, what's the plan? What's the purpose? How do you want to work in this situation? So here's old Jonah, and at this point, he's probably scared, he's probably confused, he's probably hurt, like, God, why are you doing this to me? And the Assyrians were starting to decline at this point in power, and Jonah's like rooting on the decline. Come on, let them be destroyed, Lord. Now you want me to go preach to them? I don't get it. So what did Jonah do? Did, did he obey and leave Israel and go northeast? 
to Nineveh? No. Instead, he got on a boat and he paid the, the fare for the boat and he went southwest to Tarshish. Nineveh was 500 miles from home. Tarshish was 2,500 miles from home. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult to run from God than it is to just obey God. So here he goes, and he, he boards this ship, so he paid a fare. You know, when we run from God, it's going to cost us. And he went down. And when we run from God, our lives go down. Things don't get better when we run from the Lord. We need to remember that. So what does anybody do when they're running from the Lord and they get on the ship? They go to sleep. Okay, why did Jonah go to sleep? I don't know. There's a lot of debate over that. But maybe the Holy Spirit was dealing with him and making him miserable and making him uncomfortable. And just maybe Jonah didn't want to hear God's voice. And so maybe he was trying to tune him out. And he's thinking, if I could just go to sleep, then God will leave me alone. So he falls asleep in this boat. And all of a sudden, since God can't get his attention with the Holy Spirit, all right, uh, he's, he's trying to deal with him that way. Now, all right, we're going to get your attention another way. So God prepares a storm. And God prepares a lot of things in the book of Jonah as we're going to go through today to get his attention and to accomplish his purpose. So now there's this huge storm at sea, and this dude's sleeping in the boat. So the sailors, they were probably Phoenician sailors who controlled the trade in the Mediterranean Sea, and they were known to be polytheistic. They worshiped many false gods. So for them, uh, in, in what's about to happen, you might think, well, that's a weird request because they wake Jonah up. And they're like, you need to pray to your God. The captain's like, you need to pray to your God. Okay, so it was no big deal for them to pray to many gods. So they're like, okay, whoever your God is, you need to pray to him. And they knew, Scripture tells us later on in this first chapter of Jonah, he had already told them he's running from God. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me nervous. I'm going to get on a boat, and this guy's like, you know, hey, I'm running from God, so get me over here to this destination. I'd be a little concerned about that, wouldn't you? So when this storm hits, they're probably thinking, we're in trouble. We're, we are in trouble. So they're like, you need to wake up, dude. You need, to, you need to help us. What do we do? You know, and so Jonah's like, well, it's my fault. And they determined this storm was because of him. At this point, they're like, who are you? They want to know, who is this person? He said, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve the God of the land and the sea. And so now they're really <clears throat> getting concerned. They're really getting scared. They think, it's over for us. So they're like, what are we going to do? And he's like, just throw me overboard. That's the, only, that's the only solution. Okay, and again, I'm thinking, all right, as I'm reading Jonah, I'm thinking, okay, I would be saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and I repent, and I'll go, okay? Just don't throw me overboard. But Jonah, I don't know, maybe he's still, maybe there's still some rebellion in his life here, and we're not at full repentance yet. The first step of repentance is acknowledging the problem. And he's not denying that he messed up. He's not denying the storm is his fault because he ran from God. He's owning that part of it, but he hasn't really repented yet. But it's the first step towards repentance. Right? So now they're saying, we need you to pray for us. So have y'all ever been embarrassed to tell somebody about God because of the way that you've just acted? You don't have to raise your hand. Just answer that way inside. But the other day... I almost had one of those moments, okay? So I was, I was at a store, and I was trying to get a new battery for my truck. The battery had went down, and this is actually the second time 
that I bought the first battery under this warranty plan that I had to replace the first one already. So this is the second one. It's already went bad. No big deal. It's a five-year warranty plan. I'm like, great. I'm only a little over three years into this thing. Perfect. I'll get a new battery. So they're like, yeah, we'll replace your battery. It's bad. And then they ring it up and, okay, you get $23 credit towards your new battery. I'm like, $23 credit? What? This is a five-year battery. It's supposed to be free replacement. It says it in big, big letters right on the side of the battery. You can see the sticker. Well, no, see, down here in the small print, really little, tiny, three-year three, three year free replacement. After that, it's two years, and you get a, what's that called? Uh, prorate. Thank you. Yeah, so I was getting the prorate. I mean, like, wow, okay. So, you know, I wanted to, like, yell and scream and have a fit, you know, because I didn't think that was very fair. And then I'm like, okay, compose. Pray. <laughs> Think before speaking. So... We worked it out, and I didn't lose my witness, okay? I didn't lose my testimony. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, all right? So we have to think before we speak, right? Because we want to be able to share our faith with people, even when things aren't going our way. So here's these sailors. They're terrified. They're throwing the cargo overboard. They're praying to their false gods, and nothing's working. And so Jonah's like, the only way this is going to get better if you throw me overboard. And they're like, are you serious? So they tried even harder to get to sea and to row the boat to sea at this point. They're trying to save him, but they realize it's futile and they're all going to die. And they're like, oh, Lord, don't hold this against us. And they toss him overboard. And immediately the sea calms. Now, these sailors were in awe, and they were in awe of God. So it said immediately they made a sacrifice to God, and they, they made vows to God. They realized he was the God. Meanwhile, so for Jonah, he's thinking, this is it for me, Right? But God prepared. Here's the next thing God prepared. A great fish. This is an awesome story, isn't it? And y'all could be saying, oh, Brother Jason, you, we've heard this forever, man. We all know this story. But let's just think about it for a minute. This is amazing. And if you're a fisherman, you should really get fired up about this kind of fish story. The greatest fish story of all time. So God prepares this great fish, and it swallows Jonah. That's crazy, isn't it? That is amazing. So here's the thing. God provided a way for Jonah to be saved. He rescued him because he was going to drown in that storm, but he was rescued by God's intervention. Now, was this the nicest cruise ship of the day? What are those, like the Norwegian cruise ship or something? Aren't those really nice? I don't know. Never been on the Norwegian cruise ship. So he's in this, he's in this I call it the, uh, the Whale Hotel, okay? And there's no fine dining. There's no fancy lighting. In fact, it was completely dark in there. There's no running warm water, right? There's no soft bed or pillow. I mean, this is nasty. You know, if you've ever caught a fish, you know that, that, that fish smell, it stays with you for a while, right? It doesn't just get off your hands very easily. Can you imagine bathing inside of that for three days? But do you think Jonah was griping? No, he wasn't griping. He was grateful. You know why? Because he knew God had delivered him. He knew he disobeyed God. He knew he deserved to die. But God had rescued him. He made a way for him to be saved. So he's not griping. Maybe it wasn't the best circumstances, but he's hanging in there. He's hanging in there. You know, sometimes, sometimes when we repent, things don't automatically get perfect. There's consequences, and we have to live through those. But you know what? Sometimes God wants to still keep us relying on Him. 
So if it had gotten too easy for Jonah, maybe he would have just quickly turned back to his old way. So God's like, I'm going to keep you miserable a little while longer, son. And you're going to remember really what your mission is. So he's stuck in this fish, the belly of this fish, for three days. That amazes me. Well, what does all this mean for us? Listen, discipline, discipline is never fun, but it's God's design to get us back on track. When we veer off course, God's going to get our attention. And you know what God's looking for? Not just action. God's looking for a heart change. And God wants to be real to us. And he wants us to be real with him. So here's a question I want to ask you today. Don't answer it out loud, but I want everybody right now internalize this. I want you to think about this. I want you to answer this in your heart. Is there any area of my life right now that is not where it should be? Is there any area of my life that I'm running from God? I want you to be honest. I want you to be real with God. And if it is, if there's something that's not right with God, and deal with it today. Fix it today. Because there's a second way we can run. We can run to God. And that's exactly what Jonah did in the belly of that great fish. Let's read, uh, jump over to chapter 2. Verses are on the screen. Uh, verse 1. And then we're going to skip down and read verses 5 through 10. We're kind of doing the cliff notes of Jonah today. Okay, you with me? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. In verse 5. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He knew he had truly been delivered. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Listen to this part. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it what? Vomited Jonah onto dry land. Wow. Can you believe that? And that's a descriptive word, but hey, it's in the Bible. So if it, if it made you sick, I'm sorry. But can you imagine, and I think about Jonah, because if I was Jonah and I, and I got, you know, this big fish barfed me up onto the land. Okay, sorry, I had to throw that in. Hey, I was a youth pastor for 19 years, cut me some slack, okay? <clears throat> got to make sure y'all are staying awake. So, if this fish spit me up on the dry land, the first thing I want to do is I want to look around and, and I'll be like, did you just see that? Did, you know, did anybody see that? Right? <clears throat> I mean, I would, that's what I'd be thinking. Wow. So, <clears throat> it's amazing. Jonah, he's running back to God. Did you guys hear on the news, it was, a, it was a few weeks ago, there was a marathon. And the lead runners, I mean, they had the race won. You know, there's people in the lead, they were going to win. They took a wrong turn towards the end of the race. They got off track, so this other underdog, major underdog, wins the marathon. The leader's they don't cross the finish line because they, they are disqualified. How sickening would that be to train and to know that you had the ability and you were, you were there. You were that close and you got lost. That would be 
so discouraging. But guys, listen, if you find yourself running from God, it's time to wake up and say, Lord, get me back on track before it's too late. And you need to run to God. And that's what Jonah did. He ran back to God. He acknowledged his sin. He accepted God's discipline. Okay? He owned up to his mistake. And then guess what he did? He asked God to forgive him. Now, can you imagine? He's in the belly of this fish. He, he knows that he deserved to die, but God has spared his life. Can you think he's just, oh, God, thank you for saving me and for doing this. No, this dude was fired up. He's excited. He's having worship in the belly of this fish. I mean, he's shouting to the Lord. Lord, you're my salvation. He is passionately praising God because he knows what he has been saved from. He knows that he's been redeemed. And check this out. When Jonah cried out with thanksgiving, then he was delivered from the belly of this fish. Now, that's an amazing point. Let's think about that for a minute. Jonah could have been griping. He could have been all expecting, well, God, this is a sorry way to deliver me. It stinks in here. I'm hungry. You know, I want to get out of this thing. It's dark. Why am I in the, the, you know, the smelly fish? Why couldn't you have sent the cruise ship? But he didn't do that. He was just giving God thankful gratitude. He was pouring praise upon God because he had things in right perspective. When we are thankful to God, it helps us have a right perspective on life. Because you know what? We can become expectant, can't we? Oh, Lord, do this and this for me, right? Lord, why didn't you do Why did you allow this to happen, God? You know, and, and we go through those things. And sometimes they're real things. I'm not, I'm not making light of a difficult time in your life. I'm not. Because pain is real. And God hurts through that. It hurts God. But guys, sometimes we just expect God, you know, to do everything we want Him to. And it doesn't work like that. Now, here's what God does. He promised that he will bring salvation to all who believe in him and trust him as Lord and Savior. That's what God promised, and he'll deliver that. He's good on that. All right? So that's enough right there. If nothing else ever good happened in your life, money in the bank is that if you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have eternal life in heaven and forgiveness of sins. Man, that's enough to be excited about right there. Right? Past that, there's no promises and there's no guarantees. Other than God will be with us through any trial that we face. He's there with us. And I'm so thankful for that. But I'm telling you what, when Jonah got grateful, he got out of the fish. Sometimes, rock bottom is necessary for us to wake up. Sometimes. But listen to me now, carefully. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to wait until you hit rock bottom to get things right with God. If the Holy Spirit's working in your life and He's speaking into your heart, just go ahead and listen to Him. And it'll save you a whole lot of pain. <laughs> it can save you a whole lot of heartache if you just go ahead and say, Lord, I'm going to get my obedience up to date right now. I haven't hit rock bottom yet, but I need to turn myself around. And so we repent. That's a 180, and that's what Jonah did, and that's what God wants us to do. Listen, we never know when we're going to run out of time. We never know. Well, the next way that we see Jonah running is with God. And we see that in chapter 3. Jonah 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Did you get that? The second time. We'll talk about that in a moment. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, what? Believed God. 
They proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Now, I don't know this. I don't know this, but Billy and Barbara, y'all are runners. You can tell me. When you're running, is there, is there such a thing as the runner's zone? Or did I just make that up? Is there like the runner's zone? Man, it's like you're running, and you're in the zone. You're in the groove, and it's like you don't get tired. You're just, you're just eating up the highway. You know, the zone, right? That's the zone. Well, hey, listen, when preachers are preaching, sometimes they get in the zone, and time doesn't matter anymore, okay? But that's not the case today, all right? I'll make it up to you. I know last time I preached, I was a little, I got a little in the zone, right? I'll make it up to you, Dad, being conscious of that clock, okay? All right? Um, but here's the thing. When we are running with God, all right, I like to call that cruising with Jesus, all right? We get in the zone. Now, it is a delicate balance to stay in the will of God. Why? Because we have a sin nature that's always at war with our spiritual side. There's war within us, and this world is fallen, and there's, there's things that try to distract us and to pull us down. So it takes a lot of focus to walk and run with God. But when we do, it's worth it because God does great things. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What time? How many times? The second time. Aren't you grateful that he's truly a God of second chances? And for most of us in this room, he's a God of third and fourth and fifth, right? But we don't want to abuse that. We want to be grateful for God's grace, but not to abuse it. So if there's something in our life that's not right, we just need to confess it. 1 John 1, 9 says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we can run with God and we can be in the zone, in the Jesus zone, if you will. And you know, Jonah's message, wow, it was simple, wasn't it? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And y'all are saying today, oh my goodness, I wish Jason's message would have just been that simple and we could have left a long time ago. You know, yet 40 days in Fort Smith will be, no, 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 God didn't give me that message. Don't panic, okay? He preached a simple message. And you think, you know, humanly speaking, remember where he's at. He's in this barbaric land of terrorists. Scripture says over 120,000 people there. Some biblical scholars think it was closer to 600,000 if you counted women and children. And you think, how can one person make a difference? How can, how can one person go in with this simple message and the greatest revival of all time break out? How can that be? Because God was in it. And he had called Jonah to this task. And when Jonah got his obedience in line with God, and he stepped out and he said, Okay, God, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then God went before him. And God accomplished great things. And God used him when the odds were against him. You know what? God-sized tasks are bigger than we could ever accomplish. Look at David and Goliath. This kid shouldn't have beat a giant. How about Elijah facing all the false prophets of Baal? He was outnumbered, but God gave him victory. You see, there's the difference. When the odds are stacked against you, remember, God goes before his children. He's preparing a way, and he's got a plan. So when there's simple obedience, and when there's a simple message, then there can be life change. And that's what happened. And the Ninevites, they didn't make excuses. They repented from the oldest to the youngest. It was the greatest revival of history. And God relented from the disaster that he was going to bring upon them. Today, I want to encourage you. Get in tune with God. Run with him and let him use you. 
Well, there's a final way we see in Jonah that he ran concerning his relationship with God. He ran ahead of God. Now, I wish that we could just stop in Jonah 3 and like, wow, here it is, greatest revival of all time, and it ends happy, you know, happily ever after the story ends. But what I love about Jonah is he's so real. He's so transparent, and he does show the good, the bad, and the ugly about himself. He wrote the book. He could have left this part out. He could have left out chapter 4, but guess what? This is the inspired word of God, and God said, you're going to write it. And this is going to be useful for generations to come. And we're still learning from his life today. You know, it's easy to get ahead a of God, isn't it? Well, let's, let's read verses 1, and then we're going to jump down to verse 11. Okay, so here's Jonah. There's this greatest revival of all time. And here's what it, Jonah in chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. That's not very pretty, is it? Let's go to verse 11. And, and this is God re responding back to him. I told you I'm giving the cliff notes today. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Okay, so I told you I really like Jonah because Jonah reminds me of me. He's just so real, you know? And it's like, here you can be over here. Yeah, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for you. I'm going to do this. And then we can find ourselves over here. All of a sudden, we have the bad attitude. Woe is me. Pity party time, right? <laughs> now, I know y'all don't do that. It's just me. But like, okay, say, don't raise your hand, but just say if, if you're a deer hunter in the house, okay? And say, you know, all your buddies are showing you their, their beautiful, you know, 10-point buck that they got. Okay, and you don't have one on the outside. You go, oh, congratulations, that's awesome, good job. But on the inside, you're frown, and you're like, man, you, you sorry rascal. You know, that's that's just being real. Okay, I'm just kidding. Well, not really. I'm not really kidding. But anyway, I'm just being real, y'all. I'm being transparent with y'all. Okay, <laughs> but on a serious note, so Jonah, he's being real, and he shows us the true side of humanity. So. He doesn't paint this pretty picture of himself. And I admire Jonah for that because he's being real. And the realness, I think, makes him connectable for us. We're like, yes, I get that. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're never going to struggle with a bad attitude. Okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen in the house? We're going to be attacked because that's how the enemy attacks us. Satan wants to get us down. He wants to get our eyes off Jesus. He wants us to get discouraged because of problems. You know, he wants us to turn on each other and get bitter and upset. That's what he does. He wants us to fuss and fight. But listen, we keep our eyes on Jesus and we forgive and we release. Now remember, Jonah had some deep scars concerning this nation. And now they're in their greatest time of revival. And he could have been ministering to these people and mentoring them. But instead, he he. Withdrew from the city at a distance, and he just sat to watch, and maybe God would relent of his forgiveness on them, and maybe God would still rain down destruction upon them. You're like, man, Jonah, that's harsh. Remember, his people had been greatly devastated by this nation. I'm not saying his attitude's right, but we, if we back up, we can kind of see, all right, there's a lot of hurt in this man's life and towards his country. So God, God gets on to him. He, he beats up on Jonah a little bit spiritually, and he's like, do you have a right to be angry? And he's like, yes, I do. I want to die. And so God's provided a plant that grew up, and it provided shade for Jonah. And Jonah was grateful for that plant, and he loved that plant. So that's another thing that God has now prepared. 
But then God prepared a worm, and it destroyed the plant. And this was an illustration. You're like, man, God did some weird things in, in Jonah. Well, there's a lot of awesome illustrations in Jonah. And so God's saying, listen, the next day, he's like, he sent this scorching heat and this, this violent wind. And Jonah, again, is like, just let me die. And God's like, do you have a right to be angry? Yes, I do. And then God, man, he hits him. He hits him right between the eyes. And he said, you care more about this plant than you do all these people that are perishing. 120,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left hand. They don't know right from wrong. You're supposed to be down there ministering to them. Now, we don't know how the story ends, but here's, here's, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this got old Jonah's attention, and I think, he, I think he went down there and started doing what he was supposed to do. That's just me thinking. I don't know. All right? But we can learn from this. Listen, we got to keep life in perspective. And when things aren't going your way, and things are falling apart, we got to put our eyes on Jesus. And we can't tell what God to do. And we can't have a pity party when it doesn't go your way. Seek God's will and realize it's not all going to go just how you want it to go. And you step back and say, God, help me see things through your eyes. And God, check my heart right now. Check my attitude, Lord. So here's my question today. Will you see God's interruptions in your life as an inconvenience or as a divine appointment? How are you running right now? Are you running from God? If you are, you need to turn around. You need to run to Him. Are you running with God? Are you staying in His will? Or are you running ahead of God? Are you trying to tell Him how to run the show? Because it won't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So listen, get on board today with God's purpose for your life. Is it scary? Is it overwhelming? Is it bigger than you can do? Absolutely. Only God can do it. But here's my challenge today. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to invite you, people across this room, to come and pray this prayer and say, Yes, God, interrupt my life today so that your plan can be done. Let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer.